0: Amen. Well, for those of you that weren't here, I started uh, ministering last night out of Matthew. Let me also say that we have, I think again, 330 something people watching by the internet. Last night we had a little over 400 and uh, welcome. We've got people watching all over the world. And uh, I really believe that uh, God is just doing an awesome thing uh, through these internet broadcasts. We now have... All of our uh, Gospel Truth Seminars archived on our website, and people go and watch those. And I forget the figures now, but isn't it... Do you remember how many watch a typical Gospel Truth Seminar? 2,800? 28,000. 28,000 people view uh, a Gospel Truth Seminar on the Internet. So man, that really increases the effectiveness. We now have over 20,000, as many as 25 or 26,000 visits per day to our website. And uh, if you haven't visited, I encourage you to do that because we have all of my teachings on there free of charge. You can download them as MP3 downloads. You can watch my uh, daily television broadcast, listen to all of our radio archives. We have thousands and thousands of things. And, uh, They're freebies, and so you would be blessed by that. But I started teaching last night out of Matthew chapter 13 about where Jesus fed the multitude. I got caught in Leland's fruit of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I was using this book last night uh, because this is a harmony of the Gospels where I. Put all of the scriptures, like in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, on one subject, on one page. And you get some things out of studying that way that you don't get by just studying through Matthew and then Mark, Luke, and John. And so I referred to this. Did you know last night the feeding of the 5,000 is uh, one of only about 10 or maybe 12, depending on how you divide things, uh, things that are common to all four gospel writers. Very few things are in all four of the Gospels, but the feeding of the five thousand is one of them, and uh, you you learn some things through studying it this way that you don 't get through the others but let 's go back to Matthew chapter uh, fourteen and right after he fed the five thousand, it says in Matthew chapter fourteen and verse twenty two and straightway Jesus constrained. His disciples to get into a ship and to go before him under the other side while he sent the multitude away. You know, one example of how you need all of the gospel writers uh, account on one instance is right here. Because if you read this same account in John chapter six, right after he fed the five thousand, it says in John chapter six and verse 15, when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force. To make him a king, he departed again unto a mountain himself alone. So you have to put all of this together. It was just not that Jesus fed the 5,000 and then he got his disciples into his ship and decided to go to the other side. He literally had to flee because these people had been fed miraculously out of five loaves and two fish fed over 10,000 people. And they saw the physical benefit to them Of what Jesus did and they wanted to come and make him a king by force. And so he had to flee and send the people away and send his disciples away. Man, that's an important piece of information. You know, Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. And I believe that Jesus, you know, there is a temptation for him to take all of this acclaim that was coming to him. And man, what would it be like to have people come and want to by force make you a king? They were under Roman occupation. This was talking about a civil war. This was a big deal. He could have been tempted. He could have been swayed by that. But you know, Jesus was doing only what he saw his father do. He didn't come to establish a physical kingdom. Plus, he knew that these people weren't seeking him. He even said this later. If you continue on in John chapter 6, we won't be in those scriptures tonight. But he goes on to say, you didn't. You don't seek me because of who I am, but because you were fed. In other words, it's because your belly's full. You love me as long as I am the one that can put food on the table and do what you want. And boy, there are so many people like that, that they will love you as long as they've got some benefit from it. But you get into a position where you need something and it's going to cost them something and they'll all be gone. Matter of fact, he preached to those, these exact people later in John chapter 6, and he began to say unto these people that wanted to make him king, he says, you're only seeking me because you got your belly full. He says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't be my disciple. And they thought he was speaking of cannibalism. They were taking it in a physical, literal sense, and they said, what are you talking about? And he... And His disciple says, don't you understand that they were offended? And instead of apologizing and saying, oh, I didn't mean to offend you, please don't misunderstand. And instead of trying to please everybody, he just says, I'm telling you that unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you're going to die. And he offended them all and the entire multitude. There was over 10,000 people and the entire multitude fled from him. So that he turned around to his own 12 men and he says, are you going to go also? There's the door. You're free to go. I'm not making anybody stay. Boy, today, if that was to happen. If, if I had a crowd of 10 or 12,000 people and if everybody was just so excited and then I got to preaching something real strong, like if you weren't here this morning, I preached something real strong and it offended people. And if all of a sudden all of the crowds left and I was down to nothing but my staff And I said, well, I'm not changing. Do you want to leave? There's the door. And they said, well, we had not got any place else to go. Might as well stay here. (laughs) You know, if that was to happen to me, people would be saying, oh, did you hear about Andrew Womack? He used to draw lots of people, but now it's down to just his own staff. And everybody would be talking about how terrible it was. That happened to Jesus. And he did it by design because he knew what was in people's hearts. He wasn't wanting people that only served him because it was just convenient for them because it was going to get them what they wanted. He wanted people that were committed. Boy, today, there's not very many people that will preach that way. Most people are afraid to say the truth because it might offend somebody. You know, my staff is always coming and saying, we could edit this out. We could change this because I usually say something that's offensive. And it's not intentional. I don't try and offend people, but I just, you know, if you say as many words as I do, eventually you're going to say something wrong. <laughs> Amen. And people take offense. I said something one time about levitating things. Not in the sense of demonic, woo, making things levitate. But, you know, if you pass electricity through a super cool thing, it becomes a superconductor and things levitate. They float. It's a scientific fact. And I said something about levitating something. I was using superconductivity as an example. And people got offended and thought I was into Hindu mysticism and levitating things. And they said, we could edit that out. And I said, man, if they're going to be offended over that, they'll find something else. Just leave it in there. Let it go. But there, you know, most people are, we're trying to do everything so that we don't offend anybody. If you came here looking for an offense tonight, I got something for you. Amen. (laughs) I'll probably say or do something wrong. But Jesus, when he offended people, don't you know that they were offended? And he says, leave them alone. They're blind. Leaders of the blind. They're both going to fall into the ditch. He didn't apologize or back up. He just said what he meant. There's not very many people that will do that today. I'm not saying that we ought to be insensitive to people and try to offend them, but you know what? There's just people that have a chip on their shoulder, and they're going to find something to complain about regardless of what you do. So anyway, it was Jesus, these people were wanting to make him king, and he had to flee to keep them from by force putting him in a position where he was in opposition to the Roman government. And so in uh, going back to Matthew chapter 14, and in verse 23, it says... And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when even was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. Boy, there is so much in these verses. Again, let me just say that last night I introduced this, that I'm just sharing with you things, scriptures that I've read thousands of times. Forty years ago, God used these verses to just do things in me. And we're facing a lot of growth and a lot of challenges in the ministry. And I've been studying the last few weeks. And these scriptures have just come alive on the inside of me again. It's things that God has spoken to me hundreds of times. And so this could really benefit you and help you. I've actually got a teaching entitled How to Become a Water Walker. And it's taken from these passages of Scripture. And I tell you, it's, it's a powerful teaching. You'd be blessed to get that series. But let me just point out some things. I believe it's in uh, Matthew chapter 14 and in verse 22. He said he constrained his disciples to get into the ship. The word constrained means to compel. I think that that's the way the NIV translates it. In other words, there was resistance on the disciples part they didn't want to get into this ship it doesn't tell us why but i think it's pretty obvious that most of these disciples were fishermen right there on the sea of galilee and if you were you know close to the land like that in the sea and if you lived there you would recognize that a storm was coming and i believe that these disciples knew that it probably wasn't smart to get into that ship and get out there on the sea of galilee with the storm brewing, and, and that's why I believe that he had to constrain them, compel them. There was resistance on their part, but to their credit, Jesus told them to get into the boat and go to the other side, and they obeyed. And also, here's another great truth, and the, you know, I'm making a big thing out of some of these things, and some of you will think, boy, you are you, it's amazing what you can get out of a passage of Scripture, but this is things that God has spoken to me, and I mean, they've been major things in my life. But the Lord didn't tell them to get into the boat and go halfway and drown. He said, go to the other side. And if you recognize that this is the one that created the heavens and the earth, and he said, let there be light and there was light. If you understand Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, that he upholds all things by the word of his power, the power of his word. That His Word is what created everything. When Jesus said, go to the other side, that is just as powerful as let there be light. Let us make man in our image. It was life-giving. It was life-creating. And if they would have really paid attention... You know, again, I, I said last night I was going to try and teach from Matthew 13 and 14. And I wish I had time to put all of this in his perspective. But the 13th chapter of the book of Matthew is where he taught 10 parables in one day. It is the most recorded teaching of Jesus in one day that we have in the Bible. And every one of those parables was about the word of God, how the word of God is like a seed. And if you plant it, it'll work. He had taught them this and now here he is giving them a word. Go to the other side. He didn't say go halfway and drown. He told them to do something. And you know, there is a parallel here that when God speaks to you and if he, like in my case, God told me to be a minister, which I was an introvert. I couldn't even talk to a person. It looked impossible, but God told me to be a minister. He wouldn't tell you to do something that he doesn't have supernatural power to bring it to pass in your life. And whatever it is with you, it's the same thing. God is gonna tell you to do something and the very fact that he gave you the command empowers you to do it. We'll see that in a minute with Peter when he said, come, one word from Jesus was enough for Peter to walk on water. I know that this isn't connecting with somebody because we don't put that importance on God's word. But I tell you, if you've got a word from God, how powerful is that? The Lord spoke some things to me back in the very beginning when he touched my life, 1968, and spoke things to me. And did you know what? Those words have supernatural power in it. It has brought us through all kinds of problems. And we're still alive and not only alive, we're thriving and we're happier and more joyful about the Lord than we've ever been. And we're seeing things happen because God spoke some things to me and put goals and said things to me. And the Word of God, if you will allow it, not only the written Word, but the words that God speaks to you specifically about your situation, they will put you over. They will give you the power to be able to overcome. And God never called a single one of you to fail. If God led you to do something, it's, in, it's implied in there that it's so that you can succeed. He didn't call you to do anything so that you could fail, so that you could die in the process. See, this is a mistake the children of Israel made when they came out of the land of Egypt. They got into a challenge. They didn't have any water to drink. And they said, God brought us out of Egypt so he could kill us in the wilderness. How dumb can you get and still breathe? Why in the world would they think that God did all of these miracles so that he could put them out in the wilderness and kill them? Here we are thousands of years looking at that and thinking, boy, those people were stupid. And yet, you know what? There's many of you that, well, I know God led me to do this, but ne- if nothing went right. You've had problems and we get discouraged and think that God led us out here to kill us. Man, the Lord told them to go to the other side. He constrained them to get into the boat. Now that's very important and I'll be showing you how important that is in a minute But he compelled them to get into this boat, go to the other side. I believe the reason that he had to compel them is because they knew that there was problems. They could see a storm coming. But to their credit, they started. And here's another, boy, this is a great truth. It says that in the fourth watch of the night, that's between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. They were in the midst of the sea. I've been on the Sea of Galilee. It's only a two-hour trip from one side at the largest to the, I mean, at the longest distance. And they were in the northern part of this sea at Bethsaida, and it was one of the narrower places. So maximum of two hours, probably one to two hours maximum to cross the the sea. They got in at evening, at sunset. So let's say that that was somewhere around 6 p.m., For them to get in at 6 p.m., or even if it was 8 p.m., and here they were between 3 and 6 a.m., then that meant that they had been out there anywhere from uh, seven to nine hours minimum to do a one to two-hour trip. And why was it? Because the wind was contrary. The wind was blowing against them. Boy, here is a great truth, and God has spoken this into my life so many times. This has encouraged me and kept me on track. But you know, the disciples, they started obeying God and it got very difficult. But to their credit, they were still heading in the direction that the Lord told them to go, even though it looked like they were going to die. If the wind was that contrary, so that they'd only gotten halfway across in nine hours, do you know what the simple solution to this problem would have been? turn around. And man, if the wind was that contrary to them in 30 minutes, they'd have been back to shore. They would have been safe. If all they were thinking of was just saving their life, they could have remedied, remedied this whole thing by turning around, putting one of their robes up like a sail. I don't know if they had a sail on the boat or not, but if they didn't put their robe up and pew, they'd have been at the shore. It would have been over and they'd have been safe. But here they were anywhere from seven to nine hours later. And they had only gone halfway in that length of time. You know why? Because they were still doing what God told them to do, even though it was potentially going to cost them their life. Even though they were sailors, they knew better. It was against their better judgment. They were obeying God. And here is a great truth. Everybody wants to walk on the water. Everybody wants to have Jesus come walking on the water and have this miracle experience and we all want to be water walkers. But there's not very many people that will keep in the storm and put themselves in position for a miracle. You know what? Half of a miracle is just getting in position. One of the biggest parts of seeing the miraculous power of God in your life is taking a risk obeying God, getting a word from God and stepping out and putting yourself in a position where you need a miracle. You know, I hate to just keep referring to things with me, but I've been meditating on this a lot and applying it to myself. And it's just a natural example. But you know what? God spoke to us about that. We've got to do something to accommodate the growth. We tried to think of other things and it was just super costly down here. A minimum of $20 million for 90 acres that was not going to be what we wanted And over here in Western Kansas. It was so far east of Colorado Springs. And um, anyway, that was the best we could come up with. And then God just gave us this break, a $4 million piece of property that is worth probably 15 or $16 million for 157 acres with all of these things already in the city limits and et etc. Et and God led us in that direction. And you know what? Now we have headed in a direction, and I can guarantee you there's going to be a few storms in between now and when we get this thing done. But see, we have launched out. We're moving in a direction that puts us in position for a miracle. Man, that's a big part of it right there is just getting a word from God and starting the process and getting out of the boat and moving in that direction. And yet most people are playing it too safe and they're afraid. They want God to supply everything and God, you make it all work. You give me all the money that I need. You've proved to me that there's no faith and no trust involved in this thing and I'll go out and do it. That's not how it happens. And there's some people that will get a word from God and they'll start, but if they run into any opposition, if it doesn't just, if the devil doesn't just roll over and play dead the moment that you stand up, man, we're ready to quit. And we, turn, we put up the sail and turn around and head back to shore. I've talked to two or three people who told me that they had believed God for a miracle of healing and that they instantly were set free and that their whole body, everything was fine. But then a few days later or a week later, all of the symptoms came back and they said, I, I had to go back on my medication and I don't know what happened. Why wasn't I healed? And I told them you were healed. All of your symptoms left for days or a week. You were totally free, but all the devil did was come knock on the door and give you a symptom again, and you caved. You put up your sail, turned around, and headed back to shore instead of just continuing to do what you said and what you believe God. Thank you for that one head nod. Somebody, oh, I don't believe that that's so... You know, that's exactly the exact same principle. You start believing God and you head in that direction and saying you're well, but then something contrary comes up and you cave and say, well, I must not have been healed. That doesn't mean you aren't healed. Jesus would cast demons out of people that had physical problems like the boy that had the seizures in the 17th chapter of the book of Matthew. And he cast the spirit out. And when he spoke, everything wasn't just perfect. It got worse. The boy fell on the ground and walled and foamed at the mouth and had a seizure I didn't mean that he wasn't healed. It it meant that he was healed. The devil had been rebuked and the devil was coming out. And he was just giving it his last bit to see if people would cave. And his disciples asked him why couldn't we cast him out. And basically he told them it's because of your unbelief. He didn't say it's because you didn't have any faith. They did have faith, but every time they would cast this demon out, there would be some manifestation contrary to deliverance. It would look like things were worse instead of better, and they were more moved by what they saw than they were by what they believed, and they just caved in. They gave up on their faith. Actually, when things get worse, it's a good indication. I know some of you can't follow that logic, but it means that you have flushed the devil out. He's taken everything he's got planned at you for the next six months or a year, and he's going to throw it all at you at one time to see if, you'll just, if you're really believing or if you're going to give up when the wind is contrary. Are you going to turn around and head back to the shore where it's safe, or are you going to continue to go the direction that you were believing God? Are you going to stay the course or quit? And I tell you, the majority of people quit. The majority of people would have headed back to shore and then wondered, well, why have we never seen Jesus walk on the water? Why have we never experienced a miracle? How come we didn't see the storm still? How come we didn't get translated to the other side? How come miracles never happened to us? Because you're hanging around the shore too much. You aren't getting in the boat and going and doing what God told you to do. Half of getting a miracle is just being bold enough that when God speaks something to you, do it. It's like Mary told the people at the wedding feast. He says, whatever he says unto you do it, man, that's great theology. That is awesome theology. I've had so many people come to me and say, well, God's calling me to Bible college. I know he told me to do it, but, and then they give me a reason. Something's not working. And they'll go on. And you know what? I've often told people, I'll just sit there and listen to them. And they say, so what do you think? And I said, you lost me the moment you said God told you. (laughs) I said, if God told you, just do it. But what about my family? What about my job? What about my retirement? What about my savings? What about? I said, who cares about anything? If God went to the effort to speak to you and tell you to do something, just do it. And if it hair lips the devil, do it. Amen. Just do it. We had some people say, but I got two dogs. And the director of our Bible college at that time says, well, the last time I checked, they allowed dogs in Colorado. You could bring them with you. And he told me about that. And I said, just kill them. See, for those of you that were looking for something to get offended over, there it is. Amen. I don't hate dogs. I've had dogs all my life. I love dogs. But you know what? They aren't important to me as hearing the voice of God. Man, if God called me to do something, I'd do it. If I had to let my dogs turn free or do whatever, who cares? If God tells me to do something, I'll do it. I don't know all of the problems that stand between me and the end results of this project that God's given me, but I know just based on past experience and, and the devil... That there's going to be problems. There's going to be times that it's going to look like things don't work. But you know what? I, I don't care. I know what God has told me to do. And I'll go this direction. And if it costs me my life, if it looks like that, man, I'm going to... It doesn't matter. I'm going to follow God. What is so important about your life anyway? Some of you are looking at me oh, oh. Man, that's, that's the most important thing. That's one of the big problems in your life is that you're more important than God. You're more important than what God tells you to do. You're retired. Well, I could wait another five years and I'd retire. Well, then why didn't God tell you five years from now to do it? If God put it on your heart now, do it now. Well, we've had people say, but you know, the recession, it's not a good time to be selling your home and moving out here. And If God told you to do it now, who cares if it's in the midst of a recession? Who cares anything? Just do it. Those disciples had reasons that they could have said, but oh man, I can see the storm coming, the clouds are gathering, the wind is blowing. We probably shouldn't be doing this. If they would have leaned under their own understanding, they'd have been on the shore and they'd have never seen Jesus walk on the water. Peter would have never walked on the water. I'm telling you, if you want the miraculous in your life, you're going to have to get to a place that when God speaks to you, you just do it. That's right. That's right. There may be wisdom and say, Father, show me how to do it. I'm not saying that you don't count the cost, but I'm saying it is non-negotiable. You know, I was just having a meeting with some people today and God showed me some things that we need to do with our world outreach. And we had, when we had this meeting... And so I, I was talking to them, and, they, and we were talking about how much effort, and I don't know how long it's going to take to do whatever and all these things. And they said, so, uh, well, if it gets to where you aren't going to do it, I said, oh, I will do it, because God spoke to me. I said, I'll do it. They said, but we don't know. And I said, I don't know how much effort it's going to take. I don't know how long it'll take, but you know what? I will do it, because I know that this is what God is speaking to me to do. So I will do it. I can't guarantee you how long it's going to take or how much effort or there may be problems along the way. But if God puts something in my heart, I'll do it or I'll die trying. The way I look at it is God's got a universe to run. He's busy. There are billions of angels wanting his attention and people are praying and there's so many things to do. And for God to talk to me and tell me to do something, man, I honor that. And I'm not about to sit there and say, well, let me think about it, whether I'll do it or not. If I can tell that it's God, I'll do it. I don't care if it's to my detriment. Of course, it's never to my detriment. Sometimes it looks that way, but it's never to your detriment. God will never ask you. He'll never ask anything of you that he won't give you back a hundred times over. You'll be better off serving God every time instead of leaning under your own understanding. But sometimes it looks like what God's asking you to do is not good. I'm sure it looked that way to these disciples because they could see the storm coming, but they got into the ship. And then when they experienced such opposition that nine hours later, they had only covered one hour's distance, but they hadn't turned back. They were still going in that direction. You know what? They weren't the best people. They weren't the sharpest knife in the drawer, but at least they were doing what God told them to do. And they put themselves in a position for a miracle. And brothers and sisters, I just know by the Spirit of the Lord that there are people sitting right here in this auditorium that you're wanting all. You would love to have a miraculous life. You would love to have the power of God flowing and seeing things happen. And you desire to be a channel for God to flow through. And you desire to walk in the miraculous. And yet God has spoken things to you that you aren't acting on. He's put desires in your heart that you aren't moving in that direction. And again, there is a timing and sometimes it takes a while to accomplish things, but you aren't even moving in that direction. You know what God has told you to do. I prayed with somebody last night who says, I really want to come to Bible college. I think that's what God wants me to do, but I just don't have the money. So I'm thinking about going into the military first and then I could get the GI Bill and do all this. And I said, let's just, Let's just take money out of the equation. Don't sit there and think about, I'm going to do what God tells me to do if I have the money. Forget all of that. What is God telling you to do? Does He want you to go into the military? Is that God's will? Or does He want you to come to Bible school? But see, there's people that sit there and in their own mind, they they debate whether or not they can do what God told them to do. If God speaks something to you, just do it. Whatever He says unto you, do it, and don't, don't quit doing it. Even if it looks like you're going to drown, do it. Well, this is going to kill me. Do it. Just keep doing it. This is deep, isn't it? Some people think, man, I've heard you. Let's go on. Well, until you start living it, I think I'll just stay here and preach this. Amen. Amen. I can guarantee you there's hundreds of people in here that God has put desires in your heart and you have debated whether you can do it or not. Boy, that is just, that's, that's the wrong way to do things. If God has put something in your heart, if you have a desire, just do it. Maybe you aren't able to do it all at once because you just don't have the wherewithal or the understanding or whatever, but you know what? You ought to at least commit and say, this is what I'm doing. You ought to take whatever steps you can do. If nothing else, prepare to see it come to pass. You know, again, I'm not only preaching this about our Bible school, but this is a great comparison. But people say, God's called me, but I don't know how I'm going to get there. Well, put down a registration. Amen. It doesn't matter if it takes 10 years for you to get there. Your registration is still good. Put some motion to your boat. Head in that direction. Do something. But take a step. Maybe you can't come, but take a step. Head in that direction. Maybe God's called you to the ministry. Maybe God's called you to start a business. Maybe you believe that God's given you an anointing to heal, and yet you don't know about going and raising somebody from the dead. Well, pray for the person that's got a cold. Start there. Start doing something. Move in that direction. That's, that's the majority of a miracle right there is just putting yourself in a position. And you know, I'm so excited because right now we are in a position for a big miracle. Amen. I need a minimum of 30 million, $40 million. That's just beyond my ability. But you know what? I'm in a position. I've been telling people we're talking about it and you hide and watch. It'll come to pass. It will happen. And there will be some storms and there will be times that things don't look like they're going good. But you know what? I'm not backing up. I will not change. I know God has led us and praise God, it'll happen. Many of you like that results, but you're afraid to go through the process. You can't have a testimony if you don't have a test. It's just a moaning. So he compelled them to get into the, to the boat. Now that's important because that means that there was resistance on their part. They weren't, in other words, they weren't in this position because they took a wrong turn on their own. This wasn't something that they just chose to do. Jesus constrained them to get into this ship. Therefore, they were obeying him. Therefore, Jesus was responsible for them. Boy, that's important. If you know that God is the one that has led you into this position and then the storm hits, you know what? You can throw all of your care over on the Lord. But if you're the one that got yourself into this mess because you didn't listen to God and you went out and did something stupid, you know, that's a time for you to repent and turn around and put your sail up and head back to where God told you to be in the first place. But if you're following God, if that's what got you into a crisis situation because you're following God to the best of your ability, boy, that gives you a confidence and a boldness that is really important. I'm constantly going back and monitoring, Lord, am I doing what you're telling me to do? I know that I'm heading in the general direction, but I want to be specific. Am I doing it the right way? It's not enough just for God to tell me that I'm supposed to be a minister. Am I ministering the right way? Am I a teacher? or Am I an evangelist? Am I an apostle or whatever. you got to constantly be checking yourself to make sure that you're heading in the right direction. But if you are doing what God told you to do, then that puts you in a position to where, God, this is your problem. You're the one who told me to do this. I'm obeying you. This is your responsibility. And think of this too, that the disciples... Uh, Jesus was in that exact same storm. He didn't go to a holiday inn someplace and sleeping in the room. And he wasn't oblivious to their situation. He was up on the hills surrounding the Sea of Galilee. He was getting wet just exactly the way that they were. Now the significance of that is, that means he knew their situation. He was responsible for them. They didn't want to do this. He had to compel them to get into that boat. So Jesus was aware of their situation and responsible for them. Therefore, he came and he appeared to take care of that situation. And if you can know beyond any shadow of doubt that you are in the situation you're in because God led you there, he didn't cause the problem, but he will lead you into battle and Satan will come against you. And if you know that you're there because you've been following what God told you to do, then you just keep doing it, and you trust that God is going to come through, and God will come through. You know Dan and Winter shared this morning. Dan and Amanda, and it was only last year or the year before that their Bible college was struggling, and I mean it just was seemed to be going the wrong direction. They had actually had a decrease and. They had financial problems. Dannon was working a full-time job anyway. A lot of things, but it was a trying situation. And I remember just sending him an email and saying, You know what? The best is yet to come. Brother, you're doing what God told you to do. Hang in there. And this year they gave the testimony about how everything has turned around. And uh, man, he's, he mentioned that to me. And you know what? Dannon could have... Put up a sail and headed back for shore and said, this is more effort than it's worth. And if he had, he would have missed the blessing of what's happening now. And not only is their school prospering so much, but they're opening up an extension school in Orlando. And he's got a vision of five Bible schools in Florida coming out of that one school in Jacksonville. And now everything's beginning to work. Everybody wants that testimony. Everybody wants these results. But most people would have cut their losses and headed for shore when it got tough. The majority of people do that, and then they wonder about why God didn't come through. Who knows? He may have been walking on the water, but you weren't there anymore. You had headed for shelter. You missed the miracle. You just gotta do it, and know that God—God's one that told you the problems that you're experiencing are because you are following God. Therefore, he knows your situation. These disciples should have been expecting Jesus to show up. And you know, I'm not going to teach on this, but I've got a great teaching. One of the things that God literally transformed my life with is out of Mark chapter 6. It's the same story in Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 45, is where he constrained his disciples to get into the ship. And in Mark chapter 6, when they saw him walking on the water, they were shocked. They were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. And one time I read that and I was thinking, oh man, yeah, that's the way it would be if anybody was, was really thinking about this. And then the next verse says, verse 52, because their heart was hardened. The reason they were shocked and surprised to see Jesus was because they had a hardened heart and man, it was like a dagger that God stuck in me and says, you got a hardened heart. I'd always thought a hardened heart was about people who hated God. Man, I've loved God and served God since I was a little kid. I didn't have a hating heart towards God, but the Lord showed me that if you are more sensitive to the natural than you are the supernatural, you're hard-hearted. If you would be shocked, you're in the midst of a situation and you're saying, oh God, speak to me, oh God, help me. And if an audible voice came and if it shocked you, it's because you're hard-hearted. You ought to be expecting the supernatural. You ought to expect God to show up. You ought to be looking for deliverance. You ought to be expecting it. And yet many of us are shocked. We're like the people that were praying for Peter to be released from prison. They had an all-night prayer meeting, and Peter was released and showed up. And, and the girl, Rhoda, she was so excited, she came running back in and says, Peter is standing at the door. And they said, can't be Peter. It must be his spirit. They were praying that he'd be released from prison. And when their prayer manifested, oh, that can't be. That must be a spirit impersonating him. they That's what they were praying for and they were shocked when their prayer came to pass. I prayed for a boy one time that was cross-eyed. I called him out through the gifts of the spirit. He came up and he was so cross-eyed his mother had to lead him by the hand. He was about 12 years old. I prayed for him, commanded his eyes to be straight. And I was believing that he was going to be healed, but I didn't think it was going to happen instantly. I was expecting it to be gradual. And so after I got through praying, I opened my eyes and I was going to tell him, now you just stand and believe God. Don't doubt. And I looked at him and his eyes were perfect. They were straight. And I said, I don't believe it. (laughs) And immediately his eyes crossed and I repented, and said, God, I'm sorry. And I prayed for him again. And I prayed for 30 minutes, never did see his eyes go straight, but I was praying that his eyes would be straightened. And when they were, I was shocked. You know, these disciples, I'm sure, had prayed and asked for help. But when Jesus came walking unto them, they said, it's a spirit. They couldn't believe that it was really Him. Because of their hardened heart. And I tell you, we just don't expect the miraculous. You not only need to be obeying God, but you need, as you obey God and experience problems, you ought to be looking, you ought to be expecting the miraculous. All it takes is one little thing from God to turn your situation around. I don't care how bad your situation is. Nobody in here has a problem that one little word from God, one idea from God would just revolutionize your whole situation. You know, another thing I gleaned from this story is that here they were in the midst of this storm. It looked like they were going to drown. And Jesus came walking on top of the very thing that was about to kill them. And here's another thing that God spoke to me through this. Is that Jesus, you know, the things that are so hard to us and it's just killing us and it's overwhelming us. It's no big deal to God. He's absolutely in control. And sometimes we bring God down to our level to where we think even God's going to have a hard time doing this. I've had people come up. I remember one guy who says, i got pain in my neck. He says, would you please pray for me? And I started to pray for him. And he says, and that pain also goes down my spine. And I got a sciatic nerve and I got neuropathy in my feet. And he just started listing things from head to toe. And I was listening to him. And he says, but you know, the pain in my neck is what's really bad. He says, if we could just get that gone, I can live with the rest of it. And I looked at him and I said, oh, I understand what you're saying. If we were to ask God to heal all of those things at one time, the lights in heaven might dim. I'm not sure God's got enough power to heal all of this at one time. Let's just ask him for a little bit. And boy, this guy started laughing. He said, that's kind of stupid what I said. And I said, it's real stupid. I said, man, you ought to believe for it all. But see, we get to thinking that, oh God, this is so bad. The doctors have said it's incurable. And we think that God is wringing his hands. This really is tough. This friend of mine, Dave Duwell, we had a minister's conference and there were some ministers that came. And Dave called up people who were discouraged and he was going to pray for them. And there was this couple over on this side of the stage over here. And they were crying. I mean, you could tell by looking at them, they were depressed. It didn't take a discerning of the spirits. It was... You could just tell that they were depressed and discouraged. And they were just feeling that their burden was so heavy. And Dave went over and he says, Thus saith the Lord, my little children, don't feel bad. If I wasn't God, I'd be discouraged too. (laughs) I nearly fell out of my chair laughing. Those people didn't think that was very funny. I don't think they really received it. But the point he was trying to get across is that, you know what, you think that this is such a huge deal, but with God, all things are possible. It's no big deal. Jesus can come walking on top of the very cancer that the doctor says is killing you and it's under his feet. It's no problem for him. Man, the financial burden that it looks like you're about to lose everything. God's not in, his, in heaven wringing his hand saying, do we have enough to pull this off? Can we pay off their mortgage? Can we help them? It's no big deal to God. And if you would just keep that in perspective and remember this, I tell you, it it builds your faith when you realize that this is no problem for God. Whatever you're facing, you know, I've had people come before and they say, Well, I know I've seen God heal cancer and I've seen God open up blinded eyes, but this person has AIDS. Do you think that God could heal that? There's no difference. I told a person tonight, they, I prayed for something, and they said, Oh, and I've also got this, and I've got this. And I said, Look, the same power that heals a cold heals cancer. It doesn't take more anointing, more healing power to get rid of cancer than it does a cold. It's all the same thing. The same anointing heals cancer, heals blind eyes, heals deafness, raises people out of wheelchairs, op- does everything. Man, you just if you would get this impression of God, these disciples should have been expecting... Jesus to show up because he was responsible. They said they knew better and he forced them to go out there. He was in the same storm. They knew that he knew this situation. They should have been expecting him to come to their aid because he was absolutely responsible for them. If you are obeying God, you should be expecting a miracle. You ought to be looking in the mailbox. You ought to be looking for something because man, you know, God is one that puts you there and you are expecting deliverance at any moment. I'm preaching better than you're listening. That's good. And I tell you, when you get that attitude, what kills people is when they get into the midst of the storm and they think, oh, we're going to drown. And they start listening to everybody else say they're going to drown and they start feeling sorry for themselves and talking about how bad it is and they lose their hope. You know, when you have hope, man, it just, it changes everything. But when you get hopeless, oh, it's, it's over then it is over. Faith only makes uh, physical evidence of things that have been hoped for. Once you lose your hope, there is nothing to motivate your faith. And man, you're in a dangerous situation. You need to remember that God is the one responsible. God led you. Therefore, God knows the situation. He's responsible. You need to expect God to show up. And here's another thing that you get only by reading all, all four of these Gospels. Over in Mark's account in chapter 6, in verse 48, it says, He saw them rowing, or toiling in rowing. For the wind was contrary unto them, and about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. Now this is another thing that God has just amazed me with. You know that these disciples were, it looked like they were going to drown. It was a critical situation. And the reason Jesus was walking on the sea, he wasn't just out for an evening walk in the middle of a hurricane on the water. He wasn't out just taking a stroll. He was out there to help them. He was coming to help them. If it would have been us, we would have been waving our arms and saying, hold on guys, here I come. We would have sounded the charge that here comes the cavalry, and we would have done something spectacular. Jesus just came walking on top of the very thing that was killing them and he would have passed by them. Boy, when I first saw that, I thought, God, that is absolutely amazing. There is zero doubt that Jesus was walking on this water to come save them, but he didn't just run out and save them automatically. He would have passed by them if they hadn't have called out to him. And I made some demand on his power. And I really believe that the Lord showed me that this is his nature. God is always there to help. But he, it takes a response of faith on your part. We have to reach out. We have to make a demand upon God. There are people that think that just because you're in a crisis situation, that God ought to take care of it. God, if it was just up to God, every person would be well every person would be blessed every person would be saved it is god's will i believe it's either first or second peter chapter 3 verse 9 it says that uh, god is not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness, but he is long suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It is God's will for every person to be saved. And he has made the provision and he will knock on the door of every person's heart, but he will not kick the door down. He will not make you get saved. He will allow you to harden your heart and go your own way. The Lord is meek and gentle and he will show himself, but you have to reach out and welcome him in. He is not rude. He will not force himself upon you. You've got to reach out and reach out in faith, not reach out in fear and in desperation. So the Lord revealed himself to these disciples, but he just came within sight and then would have walked right on by them and they could have let him go. And you know what? There are many people that they're in a crisis situation they need God's help but the truth is they're just letting God's power walk right on by they aren't putting any demand on it they're too busy watching as the stomach turns on the television they're dying of cancer and yet they're sitting there watching junk that is not helping them and building them up and they're so occupied they don't even think about the Lord the Lord's present power is present to heal but they aren't making a demand on it You've got to stir yourself up. You've got to get your focus on God. You need to get serious. We ought to be serious all of the time about seeking God. But if at no other time in a crisis situation, you ought to separate yourself from other things that distract you and put your attention on God and fast and pray. Not because that moves God, but it moves you. It stirs you up and helps you. You've got to reach out. You've got to call out. You know, again, we're in a situation where we need a miracle and I'm taking steps and I'm moving in that direction. But you know what? I have a responsibility to stir myself up and to be listening and looking for God and following the instructions that he gave me. I can't just, because I've gone this far, I can't go to sleep and quit seeking the Lord and quit praying and quit studying the word and quit believing God. If I do, I'm not going to reach the other shore. There's a part on there's a part that I have to play and I have to reach out. To me, this is just significant. That Jesus showed himself, but didn't just come and solve their problem. He revealed himself and they had to call out. And at first they thought it was a spirit, and they were afraid, and Jesus called out to them. Let's go back to uh, Matthew's account of this in verse. 27 or verse 26 and when the twelve disciples saw him walking on the sea they were troubled saying it is a spirit and they cried out for fear verse 27 but straightway jesus spake unto them saying it is i it uh, be of good cheer it is i be not afraid now think about this if jesus just didn't want them to be afraid the previous verse said they cried out in fear they were troubled and if jesus just wanted them not to be afraid why didn't he just still the storm, stop the problem? And it says over in John's account of this, John chapter 6, that they, the boat and all of the disciples were translated to the other side of the lake. Why didn't he just still the storm and translate them all over to dry land and wouldn't that have stopped their fears? Why did he tell them to be of good cheer and not to be afraid? Because you know what? It's only through the power that works in us that God is able to move. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. If there isn't any power working in us, if there isn't the power of faith, God cannot move in your life without some response of faith. Some people take offense at that and think, well, you're saying God can't do something. Well, the Bible says He can't lie. And it doesn't matter whether you say He can't or won't. He is not going to move in your life unless you take a step of faith. And I could verify this hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times in Scripture. You know, some people bring up to me, uh, I believe it's John chapter 7, where Jesus raised the widow's son from the dead at Nain. And they said, well, what faith was involved there? Jesus just performed a miracle and raised the person from the dead and there was no faith. Well, let me ask you this. He went to this funeral procession. The mother was weeping and he walked up to the mother and he says, weep not. If he just wanted to stop her weeping, why didn't he just raise the boy from the dead? That would have stopped her from weeping. Why did he go to the woman and tell her not to weep before he solved her problem? because she needed to take a step of faith. And I don't know about you, but I've, uh, I've had some situations. You know, people get really touchy about funerals. I was kidnapped. Jamie and I were kidnapped one time because a family thought I was going to try and raise their boy from the dead. And so they kidnapped us so we couldn't show up. I've had things happen. I know people get really touchy. And for Jesus to go up to this woman and say, weep not, I can guarantee you they tried to stone Jesus on other occasions. They would have tried to stone him this time if that woman had not responded positively to him. If she would have taken offense and say, how dare you say this to a person who just lost their only son? You're insensitive. You aren't feeling my pain. Boy, all she would have had to do is do something and and people would have tried to stone him. But the very fact that there was zero resistance shows that this woman must have responded. Either she had heard of Jesus and recognized who he was, or maybe it was just the anointing and the power on his words or something. She responded in faith. And that's the reason he went to her and said, weep not. Because he needed somebody to believe. It's according to the power that works in us. All things are possible to him that believes, but when the Lord comes, is he going to find faith? Somebody's got to be believing. Things don't happen without faith. There's got to be a response of faith. And so Jesus came walking on the water and he would have passed by them. He was saying, here I am, guys. Do you want my help? And if they hadn't cried out for help, he'd have just kept on walking. And finally they cried out in fear and he says, don't be afraid. It's I, be not afraid. Why didn't he just solve their problem? Because he wanted them to be of good cheer and to resist fear before their problem changed. Boy, this is powerful. You've got to get into faith before the problem is solved. Not after anybody can praise God on the other side of the Red Sea after you're dry and after the Egyptians are defeated, it's faith on the on the short side of the Red Sea. When the Egyptians are coming down on you to save, stand, fear not, stand still and see the salvation of God. And it takes faith to praise God before you cross the Red Sea. But see, most of us are waiting until all of our problems are over. The Lord told them before he solved the situation, don't let your heart be troubled. Be of good cheer. It's I. Be not afraid. They had to have some faith. Some of you are in the midst of a storm, a situation right now, and you're praying, but you're praying out of fear. You're praying out of desperation. And you know what the Lord is saying to you that you need to be a good cheer. You need to take some faith. You need to exert some faith. You need to begin to believe God right now before you see the thing happen, before the doctor confirms that you've been healed. Rejoice and act right now like you would once the doctor says it. Get as excited when God says it as when the doctor says it. Man, if you rejoice more once you get the doctor's report in your hand than you do when God speaks to you, that's the reason that you aren't seeing the deliverance. If you are going to rejoice more once you see your financial miracle and you're totally out of debt, and that's when you're really going to rejoice instead of right now by faith, that's the reason you'll never get out of debt. You've got to learn how to believe God in the midst of crisis. You've got to be able to see by faith. You know what? Once we see this project completed, anybody can rejoice then. I'm rejoicing right now. I'm excited right now. I'm confessing my faith right now. I'm being of good cheer right now. Amen? Boy, these are powerful, powerful things that I'm saying. There is so much in this passage. I've meditated on this thousands of times. And I'm just giving you a real quick summary of some of these things. But these things apply directly to you and your situation. God is going to call you to do something that is impossible. And you will be fought against by the devil. If the devil's not fighting you, it's because you're doing what he wants you to do. If you never bump into the devil, it's because you're both headed the same direction. If you turn around and start swimming upstream, there's going to be resistance. You've got to recognize that when God tells you to do something, there is going to be potential for failure. You know, when we started on television... It was a big decision because for the first time in our ministry, we had actually gotten to where we were paying our bills on a regular basis. We were making ends meet. We actually had some money in the bank. It wasn't a lot, but we had money in the bank for the first time in our ministry. It looked like we were going to live and not die. (laughs) And we were at a place where it was, where it was good. Life was good. And God told me to go on TV. And you know what? I knew that TV was expensive. And I knew that we could kill ourselves. I had, at that time, been in ministry for 31 years. And I could have killed it all in one year's time. We started on television and our budget for just TV alone, not including all of the staff to produce it, the TV airtime was $26,000 a month, the first month we went on. And it was about eight to 10 months before we started generating money to pay for it. And so 10 months of $26,000 a month would have been two hundred over a quarter of a million dollars. And you know what? Our entire income at that time was only around a quarter of a million dollars in a year. It was like we were rolling the dice and either I heard from God or we are going to die. And you know what? We just decided to go that direction. But there was potential for absolute failure. And there was a question and a thought about, God, you know what? I've been stressing and straining and stretching for 30-something years. We're finally making it. I think I could just stay here and God would still love me. And you know what? He would have. He would have. God wouldn't have been mad at me. And I'd have had rewards for the, for the, uh, to the degree that I'd obeyed Him. But you know what? When God spoke to me, I knew that this was God telling me. And we were ready to take everything that we had worked for for 31 years and just put it on the line and go for it. And we started that process. And then the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night and told me that if I would have died prior to going on television, March, I mean, uh, January the 3rd, 2000, that I never would have fulfilled his will. Everything I'd done for 32 years was all preparation this. And I just really started doing what he told me to do January the 3rd, 2000. That's what he told me. And you know what? That was discouraging and encouraging all at the same time because it had been good up till then. And if I was just getting started, that meant something good was coming. But also it's like, man, 31 years and I hadn't even started yet. But it turned to be true. Our ministry at that time, I mean... We were getting a quarter of a million, $300,000 a year. Now we have to have nearly $2 million a month. We were reaching a few people. Now we're reaching, we got 2.2 billion people that can get my television program on a daily basis. Not all of those watch, but that's the potential audience. It is miraculous what God has done. God is changing people's lives. And it's because we were willing... To keep going, when God spoke to us, we started rejoicing and being of good cheer and believing God when we were in the situation that could have killed us. And we just started trusting and believing God. And I tell you, brothers and sisters, this is a recipe for every one of us. You have to hear from God. And God is going to lead you to do something that looks like it could kill you. God's not going to lead you to do something that you can do. If you can do it, God, God isn't in it. If you can do it without God, then it's not God. God will always cause you to do something that is bigger than you so that you'll have to depend upon Him. God is not a small thinker. God is a big God. He's a big thinker. And He's not going to lead you to do things that are manageable. He's, it's going to get out of control. Gets out of your control. God is going to speak something big. And when He speaks to you, you've got to head in that direction. And I can promise you, there will be opposition. If you are truly serving God, Satan is going to come against you because you are a threat to him. The Lord, Satan isn't afraid of people that are just out there trying to be a good person and do things in their own power and ability. Because you get the credit for that. God is looking for people who will go beyond themselves and let him do something supernatural. And when you start doing that, Satan and all of his forces are going to come against you. And there will be opposition. Jamie and I have had lots of opposition. But you know what? It's, it's working. And once you get out there, don't quit. Don't turn back. Start looking for deliverance, expecting God to come through. And recognize that God is going to ask you to operate in faith in the midst of the storm, not after it's over. You need to be rejoicing before you see the end results. And you know, in my own life, the way I do this, I sit down and I just with my imagination, I see what God is telling me to do coming to pass. I see, I think about it. I dream about it. You know, before I saw the very first person raised from the dead, I went to the scriptures. It promised that the works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go unto my Father, John fourteen twelve. I began to meditate on that. I turned over and started reading every instance where Jesus raised somebody from the dead. I looked at it, and I saw myself in John chapter 11, where he raised Lazarus from the dead. in my imagination I pictured myself standing there and doing what Jesus did with a loud voice saying Lazarus come forth. I started rejoicing and seeing it when there was no evidence of it. Never seen anything like that and I started thinking about it and pretty soon it got to where I was dreaming about it. I was raising dozens of people from the dead every night in my dreams. I did that for months and then we saw our first person raised from the dead. This is how it comes to pass. You have to see it on the inside before you see it on the outside. And when God leads you in some direction and you head in that direction and you run into a storm, what you've got to do is in the midst of that storm, sometimes you have to close your eyes and quit looking at the circumstances that are so negative. And you have to just force yourself to see God's will coming to pass. You go to the word and you see people who suffered bigger problems than you did. David who went out and fought Goliath. And it was absolutely impossible. And yet because he could see it and believe God, it came to pass. And that encourages you that what God did through David, he'll do through me. And you sit there and you encourage yourself in the Lord and build yourself up. You have to start being of good cheer and rejoicing in the midst of the storm and not just praying out of fear and desperation and waiting until you're well and until your finances have come in and until your marriage is healed and until everything's perfect before you start rejoicing. you got to start rejoicing right now. That's what the Bible calls faith. It's to rejoice before you can see something. You see it in your heart before you see it with your eyes. And brothers and sisters, there's very few people, very few people that will follow these things. They don't put themselves in a position for a miracle. They're so afraid to launch out And to do anything that would violate their own wisdom. They're just afraid to step out. They're trying to pay it too safe. Man, these are powerful things. If you're listening, this ought to be motivating you. Praise God, I'm thinking too small. I've headed for the shore. I quit too easily. Man, If you want big miracles, you're going to have big problems. You can't have a big miracle with a little problem. If you want a big miracle, you're going to have big problems. You're going to have big opposition. You're going to have things happen. Amen? If David hadn't killed a giant, nobody would be talking about him 4,000 years later. If he'd have killed a dwarf, we'd be talking about him (laughs) as being a, you know, how dare him take advantage of that little kid. (laughs) It was because Goliath was a giant and so big that we're still talking about it thousands of years later. All of us want the acclaim, we want the, the credit, we want the victory, but we don't want any big problems. Amen. I'm telling you, it's, it's exciting to me. It's exciting to me when God tells me something that's just so far out there that it's beyond my ability. Again, I go back to this project, but you know, 30 or 40 minutes, I can't do that. There's no way I can do that. And to me, that is so satisfying to know that, God, there is nothing I can do to make this come to pass. It's got to be you or it'll never happen. Back when the ministry was smaller, and you know what, we were struggling financially, I could have solved the problem if I had to. We would be $1,000 in debt. We would need $5,000 or $10,000, and even though I didn't have it, I could have shut the ministry down and paid those bills off or something like that. Did you know I used to really worry then? Because there was something I could have done, and I kept... Struggling to rest in the Lord when I could have gone out and quit the ministry and done something and paid my bills. I'm I'm a lucid dreamer is what they call it. I dream in color. I mean it's vivid. I can start a dream, stop a dream. I can go to bed and decide what I want to dream on. If I don't like it, I can change it in the middle. There's very little difference between my conscience and subconscious. And I remember one time going through this problem and I had a dream that I just decided to shut the ministry down and I went and joined the Air Force so I could pay off my debts. And man, I woke up and I was laying in bed thinking, oh man, it was only a dream. I thought that was real. And I was just laying in bed saying, oh, thank you, Jesus, that that was only a dream. And Jamie leaned over and she says, you know, it wasn't so bad that you had to quit and join the Air Force. Man, for just a second, fear struck me like, oh no, it was real. I did it. And it turned out I'd been talking in my sleep. She had heard the whole thing. But you know what? Back when I could have done something about it, that was a temptation. But now there's no way I can produce $2 million a month. Man, I could shut the ministry down and go out and pour concrete again for the rest of my life. And I could never produce two million a month. And so, you know what? I sleep real good. It's just beyond me. And so it's like, God, this is your problem. It's in your hands. There's nothing I can do about it. You need to get so far out there that, you know what? You can't even turn around and go back. You're going to drown before you could get back. Amen. It's just, you're just in so far that there's nowhere else to go. That's a great place to be. I love being in over my head. It gets me excited when God tells me to do things that are just impossible. It gets my juices flowing. It's exciting. If you aren't living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. You ought to be out there pushing the envelope, believing God for something. God, the scripture says, 1st. Uh, Chronicles sixteen nine that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth seeking to show himself strong in behalf of those who are perfect in his sight. You know what? God is here tonight. God is here. Was that first or second Chronicles sixteen nine? God is here tonight looking for somebody who'll say, Man, I want to go out there. God, I want you to speak to me and God, I'm going to follow you and I'll stand in the storm and I'll, when it looks like I'm going to drown, I'm not going to turn around and go the other direction. I'm expecting a miracle. I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be of good cheer before the problem is over with. God's looking tonight to see, is there anybody who will do that? Is there somebody that'll get out of the norm? Everybody's wanting something different, but you don't want to do anything different. It's the definition of insanity to do the same thing and expect different results. You're going to have to believe God. And you know, I'm going to have to quit tonight. I, I wasn't able to finish this. We'll continue it tomorrow night. We're getting to some of the best part where Peter gets out of the boat and walks on the water. but. You know, one of the biggest parts of receiving a miracle is just putting yourself in that position, beginning the process, and not backing down. And that's where most people miss it. Most people aren't in a position for a miracle. Because they just quit. There was too much resistance. There's people that think that if you're doing what God called you to do, that all opposition quits. And this is how they judge it. They say, well, if God really wanted me to come here to the Bible college, then he would have just sold my house and things would have worked out and I'd have got a job. And they think that if everything just falls in line, then that's proof that God is in this decision. I don't think it's right to judge by whether things work or don't work. You really shouldn't go by circumstances. You ought to just get a word from God and then do it regardless. But If you were going to look in scripture, it's actually more scripturally accurate to say that if everything goes bad, it's probably God. (laughs) Not that God causes it to go bad, but I mean Satan will do these things that he can do within his power to discourage you and to stop you. 16th chapter of the book of Acts, Peter saw a vision and a man said, come over into Macedonia and help us. He had a direct word from God. There was no doubt that it was God that called him to do it. And he started in that direction and within hours he had been beaten, whipped, put in stocks in the midst of the prison, in the dungeon. Everything had gone wrong. Most people would have said, well, well, I must have missed God. No, he was in the direct center of God's will. It's actually more accurate to say that if there is opposition, then you probably are headed in the direction that God wants you. And yet so many people say, but if it was God, everything would just work out. That's not true. We live in a fallen world. Satan is real. And Satan has a lot of people and a lot of resources at his disposal to come against you and to hinder you. And you just need to recognize there is going to be opposition. I'm not preaching defeat. I'm just saying that there is victory, but it's not going to be victory without effort. It's not going to be that the devil just runs up a white flag the moment you make a decision that I'm going to follow God. No, he's going to marshal his forces and come against you and try and discourage you from following God. And you just need to persevere. And brothers and sisters, the good news is God wants you to succeed more than you want to succeed. God never made a dud. God hasn't forgotten a one of you. There's not a person in here that you're just nobody and that you have nothing and that you can do nothing. That is not true of a single person in here. Some of you think it's true, but it's not. God has a supernatural plan for every one of your lives. Something that is so miraculous that you should go to bed at night, just praising God for the awesome things that have happened, Wake up in the morning thinking about what is going to happen today. And yet there's many people that go to bed thinking, man, man, I hope that tomorrow is better than today. You get up thinking about, man, this, you just dread the day because you haven't found God's purpose for your life. But God's got a great purpose for every one of you. And he's been speaking and communicating. But most of us have never gotten off the shore. Or if you have, when we ran into opposition, we turned and went back and we just aren't in a position for God's power to operate. So, I want to encourage you tonight that God wants you to take steps of faith. God has a plan for you. And whatever God says to you, just do it. Maybe you don't have step one through ten, maybe you only got step one and two. Do them. And when you do them, God will show you the next step. But you've got to start moving in that direction, you've got to do something. And yet we're so afraid. We want the results, but we're so afraid of the journey. Man, the journey is actually the more exciting part. You know, when we believe for this previous building, I won't go into all that, but it it was miraculous. And when we got in there, everybody, all my students were shouting and screaming and praising God and people were just beside themselves and I'm just like this. I'm always like this. We went to Disney World and they take these pictures of you, you know, going over the roller coaster and then they show it to you and everybody's screaming and yelling and you could take a picture of me just like this. And that's the way I was on the roller coaster and that's the way I was on everything. I'm just always like this. I don't know why, just this is me. (laughs) I forgot that. My staff calls me Android Womack. (laughs) But anyway, what was I saying? Oh, when everybody else was shouting and running and praising God for this bill, aren't you excited? And I said, yeah, I'm excited. But you know what? I was really excited a year before when I saw it by faith and when I used to walk that building and pray and in my imagination see the walls and see the platform, that's what gets me excited. Yeah. It's actually more exciting, the journey and the faith process than it is when you see the thing comes to pass. As soon as I got that building finished, immediately I was saying, oh God, what's the next step? There's a lot of people that they hate the journey and the process and they just wait for it to come to pass and then they rejoice and they want to enjoy it. It's just the opposite with me. I enjoy the conception, I enjoy the process. And I'm excited right now. I'm having the time of my life just dreaming about what God's doing and seeing things come to pass. I get out there and walk that property and see all these things. I tell you, I would encourage you to get off the shore. Get out there and later we're going to talk tomorrow night about get out of the boat. Do something different. Believe God. This isn't a dress rehearsal. This is the real deal. You only get one chance at life. And every day is ticking. And if you aren't making it count, then you're wasting your life. Nobody at the end of their life, as they're facing death, says, oh, I wished I'd have played it safer. Everybody's always saying, man, I wished I'd have taken more risk. I wished I'd have tried something bigger. I want to encourage you that, praise God, we need to believe God. And God wants you. God is trying to stir us up this week, I believe. To believe God. To do something. Do something. Believe God. What is God saying to you? And then just do it. Amen? Father, I pray for all my brothers and sisters in here and I'm just asking you, Father, that the Holy Spirit would take these things that we've talked about tonight, these things that you did with your disciples 2,000 years ago, things that literally happened. Father, and I pray that you would stir us up to get out of being normal and that, Father, we would begin to believe you. For supernatural things, that we would hear your voice and head that direction. You know, I believe that the Lord is speaking specifically to people that have had a word from God. You have started in that direction, but you had a storm. Things were contrary to you, and you just turned and headed back because it wasn't easy. You know what? It's not too late for you to get right back on track. You need to go back to doing what God told you to do. And you may think that man, you may dread that, but you know what? God is right where you left him, right where you turned and got off the path. The Lord is still there. He's never changed. Whatever his purpose for you is, it says in Romans chapter 11, verse 29, that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. God never changed. He hasn't changed his plan for you. Some of you think, oh, I blew it. I messed up. God had never used me again. It's not so. Praise God. Gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. You know, GPS, if you make a wrong turn, it'll recalculate and get you there some other way. God's at least as good as a GPS device. God can recalculate. He can plot a course from where you are back to where you're supposed to be. And I just feel like the Lord is speaking to me that there's some people here tonight that started and you just ran into opposition and you quit. It was too hard. And God is telling you to get back on track. Do what he told you to do. And you may say, I don't know how to do it. Well, just make the decision first that I'm going to do it. And that, Father, I will do it. And you say, but I'm fearful that I might lose everything. Man, it's more fearful to me that I might not accomplish what God told me to do. I'd rather die trying. I believe that God would be pleased with that than for me to know what he wants me to do. And yet I'm just too timid or shy or fearful to head in that direction. That's the greatest sin of all is to have a word from God and be afraid to act on it. And if you get killed in the line of duty, there's honor in that. You get rewards. But man, to not even go when your commander in chief tells you to go, that's bad. Let me just ask, how many of you in here would say, I've got a word from God. God has spoken things to me and I tried and it didn't work and I've backed off of it. And tonight I've been encouraged and I want to repent and I'm going to recalculate and God's going to get me back on track. I make the decision that I'm going to go this time. And I'm going to follow him. If that's you, I just want you to be bold enough right now to just stand right where you are and say, I'm getting back on track. I'm making a commitment. If that's you, just be bold enough to stand. And I know some of you are thinking, oh, couldn't we just pray with everybody's head bowed so that nobody would know? I'm wanting you to stand, to humble yourself and say, you know what? It wasn't God's fault. It was mine. I missed it. Praise God. Well, look at this. I don't know how many people that is, but that's a bunch of people. And you've heard from God and yet for whatever reason have quit acting on it. You don't have to look any further than this to find out why you aren't satisfied, why you aren't happy. Why you aren't just thrilled with life and everything else. Because man, there is a joy and a peace that comes of being in the center of God's will that you can't experience anywhere else. And this is going to change your life. Let me add to this. Maybe some of you haven't already heard from God and started and tried. But you have just, you've, you've never started. You don't even know. You haven't really been paying attention. But tonight, God stirred you up and you're saying, God, I want to do your will. And I'm making a commitment that you speak to me, I'll do it. You tell me what to do, I'll do anything. I'm ready to go right now. If that's you, I'd like you to stand with these and I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to believe God for a miracle in all of these lives. Thank you, Jesus. Again, I want you to stand. I'm going to pray this won't work if you're seated. You got to stand if you're going to get this prayer. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you for all of these who are standing. And thank you, Father, that you've stirred them up, that the Holy Spirit has spoken unto them. And Father, I just believe that we will, we are your sheep. We do hear your voice and the voice of a stranger we will not follow. Father, thank you that you are speaking to us in our spirit. Help us to calm our soul, to turn off all of the interference and the static of this world so that we can hear that still, small voice. And then, Father, we make a commitment to go in that direction. And for those who know what you've called them to do, but they quit because of hardship, resistance. Father, thank you for mercy. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you that you aren't upset with us. You said that if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not and it shall be given him. Father, we ask in faith right now and we believe that without any rebuke, you are just rekindling that fire, that word on the inside of people. Whatever opposition we've had, thank you, Father, that it's going to be different this time that this time we're going to stand strong in you and we are going to make it to the other side. You didn't call us to go halfway and drown, but you told us to go to the other side. And Father, we just make a profession of our faith right here. We take this as the first step that we are going to get back on track. Give us direction. Show us how to go back and accomplish the things that you've told us to do. Father, give us wisdom, and as you give us wisdom, we will follow this, and we'll do it regardless of the opposition, regardless of the sacrifice. We want your will more than we want our will. We make this commitment and head in this direction tonight, and Father, we thank you for doing that, and I believe that for all of these people who are standing, and Father, there's going to be a tremendous work done in their heart right now. The Holy Spirit is changing them. And Father, we just praise you in advance for reaching the other side, for accomplishing your will, for being in a position for a miracle to happen. We expect the supernatural. We expect, Father, for there's going to be opposition, but we expect to supernaturally overcome all of it and reach the other side. We are counting on you, Father, to send the power of Jesus into our lives to enable us to overcome And Father, we agree and we receive it. And we thank you for doing this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Y'all agree? Praise the Lord. Awesome. Awesome. Praise God. You can be seated. You know, I guess it's time to go get the kids. 9.30. But let me ask, as uh, we've got parents going to pick up their kids, let me just say that if you don't know Jesus, I can guarantee you that this is one thing that he's called you to do is to make Jesus your Lord. That's a word from God. And if you've never been born again, you must be born again. And he also gave a command that once you do receive Jesus, that you also receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Is there anybody in here who says, I need one or both of those? And I, I'd like prayer tonight. I can guarantee you everyone needs to respond to that. Here's somebody right here. Anybody else? Anybody else that either needs to be born again or you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which includes speaking in tongues. Here's another person over here. Here's another one back here. Anybody else? We've already had about 40 people or more that have received, but praise God, I don't want to let a service go because these are two things that every person must have is salvation, a personal relationship with Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, if you raised your hand or if you were supposed to raise your hand, but didn't do it, would you just get up out of your seat and come forward right now and come down here and we want to pray with you and help you to receive from the Lord. Just come right now, be bold, come forward and let us pray with you. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Awesome. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you, brother. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Here comes some more. Isn't this great? Y'all are never going to be the same. You're going to be stronger than horseradish. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what I'm going to do this evening? We've already ministered to a lot of people. And if you don't mind, I'm going to ask Ashley. He helps Melinda with our prayer ministry. I've got a book that I want to give you. Whether you're coming to receive salvation or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need to understand what's happening. And uh, that 's really the most important thing, and so what i 'm going to ask is that if Ashley will just take you into this room over here and he can minister salvation if you haven 't if you don 't know for sure that Jesus is your Lord, you first of all need to receive salvation before you receive the baptism so if there 's anybody who 's not absolutely sure, he can pray with you and make sure and then once everyone here is truly born again they 'll share with you and pray, and you can receive this baptism of the Holy Ghost, speak in tongues. And we've got a book that we'll give you that'll explain it. And I tell you, I've, I've had thousands and thousands of people receive the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. And so they're very qualified. And actually, they can minister to you and answer your questions and minister to you more effectively than I can right here. Lots of times when we have lots of people, I'll go ahead and do it all right here. But you know what? They can minister to you. And so if you would... This is Ashley right here with his Bible up. And if you'll just follow him and let him pray with you and minister to you, I believe you're receiving tonight. Is that a good deal? Awesome. Just follow him and they'll pray with you and minister to you. Praise God. Isn't that great? And you know, the reason I did that is because I believe that God really spoke to some people here tonight. And yes, we need Physical healing and things like that. But I believe some of you made a commitment and you now are ready to start obeying God and you just need some instruction. You need some wisdom. And you know, the scripture talks about how that we can pray for wisdom. There's a scripture in Luke chapter 24, verse 45, where Jesus was talking to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And it says, then he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And I believe Jesus did that for him. I believe that we can pray and release understanding. Matter of fact, I prayed with one one lady tonight. I was really thrilled with her request because she says, I got a lot of physical problems, but you know what I really need? I need revelation of the word. And man, I just nearly kissed her. I said, man, that's the greatest request I've heard in a long time. Most people just want to get their needs met. But this lady wanted to get the Word. And I said, if you get that, you'll get your healing. And so I prayed with her. And I believe that we can impart that. So anyway, I know that many of you have been stirred up and you just need wisdom about how to follow through. And so what I'd like to do is ask our prayer ministers to come down here. And I'd like to specifically invite people to come who just need direction, need a prayer of agreement. And let our prayer ministers pray with you. And we're going to believe and operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that God's going to do some awesome things. These are all people that have been through our training on how to pray, not to beg, but how to take our authority and pray. They're Bible college students. They're people that love God. They're pastors and um, they're people that can minister to you and help you. So I'd like to invite people forward right now. If you need prayer for anything, if it's wisdom and direction, if you need a physical healing, financial or whatever, just get up out of your seat and come forward and let our prayer ministers pray with you right now. And we're gonna believe God for some miracles. Amen. We've got people standing at the aisles and they're gonna direct you towards one of our prayer ministers so all of you won't go to one side. If you'll cooperate with them, they'll help you. Amen. And the rest of you, if you want to stay and pray with us, most of the time we have gifts of the spirit and I call things out and people get healed and set free. You're welcome to stay and pray with us. But if you need to, you're dismissed. Remember that we have all of the services, the three, well, the morning services and the two night services, they're already duplicated CDs and DVDs are already made. You can pick those up out there as well as other materials. Remember, we'll be back at nine in the morning and we're going to have a powerful time in the morning with some of our directors of the Bible college. So please come back in the morning and be a part of it. God bless you. You're dismissed. If you desire to be praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, we agree with all of these and we just thank you, Father, that you are doing a miracle in our hearts. I thank you that people are rising up in faith and beginning to step out and accomplish your will for their life. Father, I thank you that there is a holy dissatisfaction with normal. And Father, we will not be just normal, that we want to be supernatural. Father, I thank you for stirring people up and drawing them unto yourself to make commitments and to head in a brand new direction to follow your guidance and go to the other side of where you told them to go. Father, we agree and we release this power to flow in their lives right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. You know, the Lord's speaking to me that there are some people that aren't sure about God's direction. You need to get sure. But there are some people that are absolutely sure of what God's told you to do, and yet you've just been afraid. And I hear the Lord saying, you just need to forget it. If you know for sure what God told you to do, just do it. Don't worry about anything else. Just do it. And you have been listening. You've been thinking that it's wisdom. You actually think it's good for you to sit there and consider every single thing that could go wrong. You've been taught that that's wisdom. Man, God says, if you know for certain what he told you to do, then don't consider anything else. Don't make any provision for the flesh. Don't think about it. Just do what God told you to do. You need to right now take control of your thoughts, these imagination and things that exalts themselves against the knowledge of God, and you just need to start doing what God has called you to do. I believe that that's a specific word for some people. You know beyond any shadow of a doubt what God told you to do, and yet you have just been looking at all of the reasons why it can't happen. You're going to have to change the way you think. You're going to have to start thinking of all of the ways it could happen. How could this come to pass? How, God, how could God do? You've been taught that that's foolish. That's imagination. You need to be a realist. No, you need to be a faith person. You need to start seeing things, calling those things that are not as if they are. Praise God. I believe that's a specific word. Some of you, your life has been changed tonight. The whole course of your life is changing tonight because God has spoken some things into your life. Praise God. I just know in my heart that God's speaking to some people, some people that are still in this room, not the ones that left. God's speaking to some of you, and if you will step out and start obeying him, you're going to see supernatural things happen. Praise the Lord. How many of you believe that's you? Well, then do it. Do what God told you to do. And I guarantee you, you're never going to regret it. You'll look back to this night. What is this, the 29th of June, 2010? And you're going to be talking about the night that you made that decision. And man, that's when your life changed. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive that and thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Somebody here has been having pain in your chest. I don't know what that's from. You could have tumors. It could be your lungs. Pain in your lungs could be something like bronchitis, arthritis. But the Lord just spoke to me. Somebody here has been having pain in your chest. And here's the healing power of Jesus. Could be a heart attack. Could be heart problems. But here's the healing power of Jesus removing this pain from the chest and whatever causes it. Who is this that's been having pain in the chest? I want you to stand. Whoever this is, if there's others, I want you to stand and raise your hand so I'll know who this is. Here's another one over here. Here's one back here. Anybody that's receiving this, you're being healed of pain in the chest. Here's somebody over here. Father, right now, I thank you for these. And I believe that your healing power is flowing right now. And we command this pain to stop instantly right now. And whatever the source of this pain is, you be healed. Satan, loose them. Let them go. Pain be gone off of them right now in the name of Jesus. There's the healing power of Jesus flowing through you right now. Praise God. Father, thank you that this pain leaves them right now. And whatever was damaged in their body, thank you for restoring it. Somebody here suffered pain because of chemotherapy. And you know what? God's healing you not of the sickness but of the damage that the surgery and the chemotherapy did to you. Is that you? Anybody else here you're having pain? Here's another one over here from chemotherapy. Father, I release your anointing and right now this damage that's been done to their body. Thank you for your healing power flowing through them. We command that pain to leave. And Father, we loose your anointing to restore their body, to heal the parts that have been damaged by what people have done. And Father, we thank you. We believe that that's done, that this pain is gone off of them right now. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. How are you feeling? You got any pain? It's gone? Was there anybody that had pain in your chest and when I prayed, the pain left? You already had the pain and it left. Is it gone? You know why it's gone? Because you're healed. Amen. It's not a coincidence. This lady back here, your pain's gone? Good. Praise the Lord. Isn't that awesome? Here's another lady. Her pain's gone. Praise the Lord. Man, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. I pray for people all of the time that their pain leaves. And I said, you know why it's gone? They said, no. <laughs> it's because you're healed. It's not a coincidence. Man, I believe that the healing power of God is flowing and setting people free right now. Here's somebody that have a curvature of the spine. It's not, it's not bent forward. Your spine's crooked. Lord was just showing me somebody's spine's crooked. It's kind of like a question mark. Here's the healing power of God right here. If that's you, if you have a crooked spine, I want you to stand and raise your hand so I'll see who I'm praying for. Here's somebody right here. Here's another one. Anybody else? Here's one right down here. Praise God. This is for you. I believe God's healing your spine. Here's another one over here. A couple over here. Father, we agree and we release this anointing right now and we command this spirit of infirmity that is twisted, this spine. I command you to loose them and to let them go now in Jesus' name. Satan, we break your power. Leave this place now in Jesus' name. And Father, I release your anointing to flow through their body now and to straighten their spine back. We command that spine to straighten right now in Jesus' name. Healing come unto them in the name of the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. For that is the anointing power of the Holy Spirit. And Father, I thank you. I believe that pain is gone. That any discomfort, any lack of movement that this has caused, thank you that they are healed. Father, we just agree and we receive a miracle right now and believe that your healing power is flowing in their body and that they are recovering from this time forth in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, the Lord just spoke to me that there are some people still in this room that you have just thought that God really didn't have a special plan for your life. You've never seen yourself as being anybody special or anybody that God could use. And tonight, there is just an outpouring of God's love towards you. There are some of you tonight that are feeling the love of God and you're just thinking that, you know what? I believe God does have a plan for my life. There's some of you that have had such... I don't know, you just haven't believe that God could use you for anything. And you know what? God is speaking to you tonight. I believe hope is rising on the inside of some people and specifically that you are just feeling the love of God tonight, that you know what? God loves me. God does have something special. I'm not a mistake. Maybe your parents didn't plan on you, but God did. God's really ministering to some people and just building the hope on the inside of you. You may not have any specifics, but you got hope tonight. For the first time, you've got hope that God really has a plan for your life. Who's that? I know that there's somebody here. If that's you, I want you to stand and raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you, and we're going to release this into you right now. Anybody else? Here's a couple of ladies. Here's some more back here. Thank you, Jesus. Boy, there's some of you that have suffered abuse. Your life has been hell on earth. You've had some bad things happen and you just thought that it was impossible for you. The Lord is saying these things just to let you know that, yes, it's you. It's you. God is touching you. And regardless of how big a mess you've made out of your life, God still has a perfect plan for you. I just release the compassion of God right now to flow through you. That it quickens hope, that love comes and it makes hope and faith rise up in your heart. And Father, I believe that they are leaving this place encouraged instead of discouraged. Thank you, Father, for hope and strength rising up on the inside of them. And we believe that you will reveal to them everything that you want done. You know, I believe that the Lord's speaking that specifically to some people watching by the internet right now, that wherever you are, there's a presence of God coming upon you right now. And God is just, this love of God is casting the fear out of you and hope is rising and you're being transformed. Praise God. And you know what? It may not be this exact night. You may be watching this later. But it's still the power of God speaking to you right now, whatever the timing is. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray for them and believe that you seal this in their heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we agree and we receive that in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. There's people here that have tumors in your head. Not necessarily in the brain, but on your head. There are people here that have knots on your head. I'd like all of you knot heads to stand and raise your hand. We're gonna pray for you and God's gonna remove these things from you, amen. (laughs) Whoever that is that has knots or bumps on your head, God's healing your head right now. Where are you? Here's one over here, here's a couple over here. Anybody else? Here's one over here. Praise God. Father, we agree and we just release this power right now. And whatever is caused, these knots, these tumors on their head, I thank you. I release your healing power. One of you, it's just nothing but fatty tissue type of things. It's not damaging, but it's a problem. And God is taking those away. I command those fatty tissue things to dissolve and to get out of your body for these knots to leave your head now in Jesus' name. Father, we receive this, and I thank you that from this time forth those things are cursed at their root. They are gone, and that their body heals, and that this is no longer a problem to them. We agree, and we receive this in Jesus' mighty name. Praise the Lord. Awesome. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Somebody here has been having a lot of problem with acid type stuff. I guess it could be acid reflux, um, hiatal hernia, just whatever it is. Somebody, it could be in your stomach, but the Lord just spoke to me that somebody here has been having a lot of problems with acid. If that's you, I want you to stand. Raise your hand so I'll know who I'm praying for. Here's the healing power of God coming unto you right now in Jesus' name. Father, I release the anointing of God towards all of these. And whatever it is, it causes this abnormal problem in their body with acid. We just rebuke that. Bodies, I speak to you in Jesus' name. And I command you to receive the healing power of God. I command these bodies to come into balance. For their body to be able to handle that and get rid of it. And get rid of this acidity in their body. In Jesus' name. Satan, you loose them and let them go. And Father, I loose your anointing right now and believe that any discomfort, pain, or problems with this is over right now in Jesus' name. From this time forth, their body recovers. And Father, we thank you. We agree and we receive these miracles now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is there anybody here that can already tell a difference? Were you having any problems with it? You can tell the difference. Here's one already that can tell the difference. You know what? If God healed one, he healed them all. I believe every one of you are healed and you aren't going to have that problem anymore. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive it. Thank you, Father. Lord is just speaking to me right now that some of you are saying that you have a hard time hearing the voice of God and you you want to follow, but you just don't have any direction from the Lord. First of all, the Lord is saying that that's not true. God is speaking to you constantly. You haven't recognized his voice, but he's speaking to you. And I believe that you've already made a commitment tonight to start following God and doing what he says. And when God when you do get to a place that you, re- you recognize the voice of God, you're going to find out that God was speaking to you all along. You just didn't realize it. You were thinking that was just you. But it was God that was putting these desires in your heart. And so I believe that the Lord's speaking to some of you tonight that, you know what, don't worry about it. You already hear the voice of God. It's just like you got so much static. It's hard for you to distinguish it. You just take the commitment you made. And listen, and God is gonna go to speaking to you and you're gonna see some awesome things come to pass. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive it. Thank you for what you've done in people's lives here tonight. Thank you for touching people. Thank you that they'll never be the same. Father, thank you for all these people that have been healed. Thank you for the people that have decided to get back into the boat and head to the other side and follow you. And Father, we believe that there's going to be people's lives changed and then through them many other people's lives changed as we hear your voice and obey it. We thank you for that and we agree and receive it in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, it looks like everybody's getting prayed for, so I'm going to dismiss you and let you go. Remember, we'll be back at 9 in the morning. Praise God. Thanks for coming and sticking around. Praise God. God bless you. You're dismissed.